Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Focus on Albany. My guest today is Howie Hawkins, who ran for governor three years ago on the Green Party line. And he's here to talk about Andrew Cuomo and the nursing home situation. So I'm sure, Howie, even though you were running for president, that you had your eye on nursing home situation, right? Yeah, it was a big problem in New York, but it was a big problem all across the country. Most of our deaths came in these nursing homes and long-term care facilities. So why do you think that happened? Well, there's been a big move from nonprofit to for-profit nursing homes. I mean, just in New York in the last few years, it's gone from one-third to two-thirds for-profit. And so a lot of these facilities, they didn't have to take uh, these COVID-positive patients back from hospitals into their facilities, but most of them did, I think, because Mm -hmm. the more customers, the more they get paid by Medicaid, which pays 80% of the, uh, you know, the cost of these patients or, or residents. And, you know, if the public's paying, maybe these should be public facilities, publicly regulated as part of a community-controlled national health service. You know, the Medicare for All proposal says it would take care of long-term care, but it doesn't say uh, they would be public facilities which is what we propose in our campaign with the National Health Service, you know, to bring all the care facilities under community control through locally elected health boards, and they they would federate at the state and national level. So the whole system would be uh, much more democratically and publicly controlled. So the the reason why there was so many deaths is because Nursing homes are private entities, is that right? Well, not just private because some are nonprofit, but most of them are now for profit. So the less they spend on the residents, the more they have on the bottom line for their profits. So it's a it's a conflict of interest in that structure. So how many people are really aware of what you're talking about? Well, I think a lot are because they have family members who are in these facilities. I don't know if it's the majority of people, but a large number of people are aware. And, you know, there are a lot of complaints about these nursing homes and long-term care facilities. So it's definitely a big issue. And it's um, uh, nationwide as well as New York? Yeah, I I heard reports about these kind of problems from all over the country. I mean, the reason Cuomo's in so much trouble now is that they were misreporting the deaths in the facilities because residents would get COVID and be sent to the hospital and die there, so they weren't counted as the death toll from the nursing homes. And then they didn't report their numbers on, on in a timely way. So that's the scandal. So isn't exactly the deaths 
that is a scandal. It's the reporting. Well, it's partly the reporting. It's also partly the policy that the state said that the nursing homes could take these patients coming back from the hospital, even while they were still COVID positive. Now, most nursing homes took that as a directive rather than an option. And we know that, you know, the doctors have spoken out that they weren't consulted as they should have been by the health department under Cuomo because they would have recommended against that. Now, Cuomo says, well, we had a shortage of hospital beds, and and that was true, and that's that's a consequence of so much privatization of the hospital sector. So we have many less beds than we used to have because they're, they're all operating on a lean basis. Rather than having redundancy, when emergencies come up, they they just have enough to take care of paying customers at the current time in normal circumstances. And that's why the state got caught short of hospital beds. So, again, this is a consequence of private for-profit health care. When, uh, when COVID was running rapid, when, uh, when it first started a year ago, Cuomo was on TV every day, every day, every day doing um, uh, press, press things. And he became this national celebrity, and everybody loved him. Do you think that Cuomo took advantage of the situation to further his image? Well, of course it was that. I think also he he was a lot better than Trump, you know, and that's, the contrast was so stark. It made Cuomo look good even if he did make huge mistakes with respect to the nursing home situation. But, you know, he was reporting on what he was doing, what the data said, in contrast, contrast to Trump, who was saying it's going away, it'll go away like a miracle, it's not that bad, it's like the flu, it's the China virus. I mean, he was, he was everywhere but what needed to be talked about. And then he mm-hmm. contradicted his own medical, you know, the, his own advice from the epidemiologists and the public health officials. So in contrast to Trump, Cuomo looked like a reasonable person. But none of the other governors um, decided to go on TV every day. Do you think it was a big ego thing on Cuomo's part? Well, you know, all the politicians got ego. I, look, he, he was good at it in contrast to most of the other governors. He's in New York, which is a media center. And, uh, you know, they had good production values in contrast. I mean, half the governors were following Trump's line and, you know, not doing the public health measures. And others that were, they weren't doing the daily briefings like uh, Cuomo was. And probably wouldn't have got the media attention because, you know, they're not in a media center like New York City. Oh, I see. Okay. And, and you know, Cuomo's drawing criticism because of the book, had, had the book that he wrote during the pandemic when it was still raging. What's your feeling about that? 
Well, I doubt he wrote the book. I think he probably had somebody write most of it for him. You know, he probably reviewed the drafts. Um, I mean, that was part of promoting himself, no doubt. But uh, that's not too different from other politicians. I mean, it's just not surprising to me that he did that. So he has definitely had a fall from grace. What do you think the political ramifications of this are going to be? He was still considered the national knight in shining armor. Do you think that's no longer the case? Well, his his national standing may have gone down a notch, but we just had this public opinion poll. He's still got good approvals in New York State. So... I think this probably won't have that much staying power. I mean, it'll be an election issue in 2022, but it'll be pretty far in the rearview mirror by that time. So I don't know if it's going to have a lasting impact on his political fortunes. So you you ran against Cuomo the last time he ran. Um, so do you think that the... Republican Party in New York State could put up anybody formidable to possibly beat Cuomo. No, I don't think so. This state is overwhelmingly Democratic. There's no, you know, Republican that can appeal to the Democratic base. The Republican Party is doubling down on their nativists and racists and conspiracy scapegoating even though the New York Republicans are not uh, as extreme, most of them, as they are in the rest of the country, people see the national news in New York, and they mm-hmm. see the Republican Party, they see on national TV. So I think state Republicans, even if they're moderates, are handicapped by that. So I, I don't see anybody in the Republican Party that can run a serious challenge to Cuomo. So you you don't think that the Republican Party can pull somebody out of the hat and uh, do an upset? No, that's a long, long shot, I think. Wow. Um, What about on the the Democratic line? Do you think that the progressives in New York State can wage a formidable uh, campaign against Cuomo in the primary? I think their ceiling is about 35% of the vote. Zephyr Teachout, who wasn't that well-known, got about that in uh, 2014. And then Cynthia Nixon, who was better known as an actor, got about the same percent. So I think about a third of the Democratic primary voters want a more progressive alternative. But, uh, again, you know, it's possible there's somebody with even uh, greater name recognition and more energy than I think Cynthia Nixon put into the campaign. Mike could, you know, Mm -hmm. give Trump, I mean, Cuomo, a, a run for his money in a Democratic primary. But I don't know who that would be. And right now, the progressives seem to be uh, pulling their punches a little bit with respect to the 
you know, now that Biden just took office, there's a bit of a honeymoon going on. Now, in two years or a year from now, when the campaign really starts, um, that may have changed. But right now, you know, I haven't heard of anybody getting ready to challenge Cuomo mm-hmm. in the Democratic Party. And, and what about the Greens? Can can the Greens run uh, in a election next year, or what's the status? Well, we lost our ballot line, and now the petition signatures required to get on a ballot are three times greater than they were before this party suppression bill was passed by Cuomo and the Democrats during the COVID pandemic attached to the budget bill April last year. So instead of Mm -hmm. 15,000 good signatures, we need 45,000 good signatures in a six-week window, which makes New York among the hardest states in the country to get on if you don't have a ballot line. So the Greens will attempt that, but it really means you need 90,000 signatures. You need double the minimum required uh, to survive a challenge. Mm -hmm. And that is an enormous task to get done in six weeks with an organization like the Green Party that doesn't take corporate money, relies mostly on working people who volunteer. So we have a real challenge. You know, we do want to get on the ballot, run our own candidate for governor, but getting on the ballot is going to be a big challenge. Now, we do have a lawsuit uh, we're doing with the Libertarians to get this law repealed as a for constitutional grounds, you know, just the lack of ballot access. But uh-huh. uh, that's it's in the courts. I don't know when it will be resolved, but um, you know if we don't get judicial relief, we're going to have a hell of a petition to do in 2022 just to just to be able to run. And do you think COVID will still be a factor then? Uh, it may be because of these new strains. And some of them may not be effectively countered by the vaccines we have. We don't know that will be the case, but that could be the case. So petitioning, as I found out, you know, as a Green Party candidate for president, when public health measures say social distancing, masking, and all that, it's hard to go out and get signatures. There are not that many people on the street. There aren't the big public events where you can go get a lot of signatures and you knock on doors and people don't want to answer them because of COVID. So that makes it difficult. Right. And, you know, we can run Greens at, by independent nominating petition for uh, municipal races this year. But the legislation in the state legislature, they are reducing the number of signatures that the ballot line parties have to get by 70% because of COVID. Right. But they are not giving relief to those of us who have to go out and get independent nominating petition signatures. And we have to get more signatures than the party petitioners do. So that's another way they're pressing alternative parties. I mean, what we got now is really a two-party system. It's, it's four nominal parties and two candidates. But the two additional parties routinely cross-endorse a major party, working families, party endorses the Democrat, conservative party mm-hmm. endorses the Republican. 
So you really have a a two-candidate, nominally four-party system. But it's really a two-party system. They just have extra ballot lines for the major party candidates. And that's a shame because the Green Party, Libertarian Party, we run our own candidates. We have a different point of view. And the way they've changed the laws has made it really hard for us to even get in the election. What about if you wanted to run into write-in? What's the qualifications for that? Uh, I think in New York, they, they yeah, they count write-ins. You don't even have to file any paperwork. But that's really a hard way to go. I mean, people look at the candidates on the ballot. And it's very rarely that a, a writing candidate wins. It has to be, you know, really uh, unique circumstances. Like Lisa Murkowski, the Alaskan senator, she right. was challenged by the far right, lost the primary, Republican primary. But when she went to the whole populace of Alaska and said, write her in, she won. And uh, Right. But that is very rare. And that was a unique circumstance. She was a pretty popular in, in Alaska, and it was just a low turnout primary with a far-right candidate who beat her in the primary but couldn't beat her in the general, even though she was a write-in. But that's, that's very exceptional. So don't you think that there, there would be enough people in New York State who are kind of fed up with um, politics that they would consider writing in somebody's name? Yeah, but how would they know? I mean, you first you got to get media attention. I got very little coverage running in 2018. I got more coverage when I ran in 2010 before the Greens had a ballot line. And, uh, you know, we had a good program and it was an open seat uh, and the media gave us less coverage in 2014, even though I ended up with 5% of the vote. And after that, I got virtually no coverage in 2018. I think that was because of Trump, you know. It's the media and the general public, you know, they, a lot of people said they're voting for Cuomo to get back at Trump, even though Trump wasn't on the ballot. That was in 2018. It's a really tough mm-hmm. year for us. And uh, so if we ran as a write-in, would they even cover us? A lot of times they say, we're not covering you until you got the nomination, until you're on the ballot. Well, if you're not on the ballot and running as a writing, are they going to even think it's worth covering you? Probably not. So most people won't know. And we don't have, you know, millions and millions of dollars like Andrew Cuomo to go advertising on TV about our campaign. Mm. So ultimately, where do you think this whole nursing home scandal uh, will come to? Will come what do you think? I think by the time we get to 2022, it probably won't be a major issue unless there are further developments. I know right now that legislators on both sides of the aisle are upset, and there's talk of impeachment and hearings, but the news cycle moves fast these days. There'll be a whole lot of stories between now and by the time that election comes. So by the time we get there, the nursing home scandal will be really old news that many people won't remember. So I don't think it'll have a lasting impact. 
So does does anybody who wants to throw their hat in the ring, it'll still be an uphill battle because the nursing home situation will not be front page news. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. There will be other issues. Uh, The state's fiscal problems may still be an issue. (coughs) We got... We got problems coming out of this COVID pandemic with housing mm-hmm. and healthcare in the schools. There'll be plenty of issues, and I think they will be more in the forefront than the nursing home scandal from the COVID pandemic. Okay, so by twenty by twenty twenty two, you think that it'll be in the rearview mirror? I right? I expect so, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, um I know that you do videos on Facebook with your vice president running mate. Can you tell us a little bit about that? That's pretty interesting. Yeah, every Tuesday at eight o'clock Eastern time. My running mate, Angela Walker, and I get on and, you know, talk about what's going on in the world, current affairs, uh, answer questions that people write in the chat. Uh, Sometimes we have guests, like yesterday we had a city councilor from Minneapolis who's been on the council since 2005 and done a lot of good work, kind of gives lie to the charge that the Greens don't run local candidates and they don't win races. I mean, this guy... I mean, we have over 100 people in office around the country in, you know, municipal offices. We've run over, we've won over 1,200 elections over the, you know, over the years. So Mm -hmm. this guy's name is Cam Gordon. So last night we had him on. And uh, so we do that every week. And uh, sometimes we just answer questions. Sometimes we bring on a guest. And we've had, we've been doing that since June every week. And the audience has been sustained. It's a few thousand. And, uh, you know, people seem to want it. You know, you read in the chat, they want to know if we can do this every night. So, you know, once a week is about all we can handle. You know, Angela has a full-time job, and I have other things, you know, related to politics i got to be doing. So we do it once a week, and that seems for an hour. So it seems that we're going to keep doing it. You think it's catching on? Do you think you have a lot of converts? Um, well, I think our audience is people we picked up during the campaign. So we're maintaining, you know, the interest and activity of our supporters. Yeah, I think, you know, we're picking up people as we go along. Um, mm-hmm. It's not like, you know, we're a, one of the big podcasts in the country, but we have an audience that appreciates us, and so we're going to keep doing it and hopefully grow that audience. Great. As far as New York, do you do you envision a uh, gubernatorial candidate? I envision the Greens running somebody in 2022. Whether it's me or not mm-hmm. remains to be seen. I'm not seeking it. I'm not saying... I'm not ruling it out. I think, you know, the Greens need to talk that through and 
put together the best ticket we can for statewide elections that year. But but do you think uh, your viability or a candidate's viability depends on whether they get enough signatures to be on the ballot, right? Well, whether we're even in the election depends on those signatures. Viability uh, depends on what you mean. To actually beat Cuomo, that's a really long shot. Mm-hmm. To get a significant vote like we did in 2014, which was 5%, you know, that's within the realm of possibility. And as a result of that vote, Cuomo adopted a number of positions he had not supported before that, like the $15 mm-hmm. minimum wage, like the ban on fracking, like paid family leave that we had been campaigning for. So I think it's much more likely that we could have an impact on state policies. Now, the thing that would be the game changer is if, if we did like a lot of states are beginning to do and went to ranked choice voting where people could rank their votes, their preferences, one, two, three, in the order of their preference, and then people could vote for the Greens without worrying about it maybe opening the door to the Republican getting in because the center and left vote is split. Under the current plurality voting system, most progressives feel compelled to vote for a centrist Democrat like Cuomo to stop a far-right Republican. If we had ranked choice voting, that dynamic would disappear, and I think the green vote would grow a whole lot. And, and, and in the end, you know, we might be more preferred than the center or the right, but we'd mm-hmm. certainly get a much more significant vote. And that would change the whole dynamic because then – the Democrats couldn't take progressives for granted, you know, the corporate Democrats who are firmly in charge of that party. And uh, that would swing the whole policy debate and action back toward the progressive side. So in our final moments, Howie, information again, uh, how they could uh, listen to your Tuesday talks with your running mate. Sure. Go to the campaign website, HowieHawkins.us, and you can, you know, sign up to get our emails. You can read the stuff we've written. And there's an archive of the the podcast in there that so you can go back and watch prior shows. Thanks, Howie. You know, I'm sure we will talk again. There's a lot to talk about you know, on the state level and probably the national level as well. So you have been listening to Howie Hawkins, who ran in 2018, right, Uh, for the gubernatorial for governor in the state of New York. So if you like this show, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter. Thank you. Have a great day. Thanks, Howie. Have a wonderful day. Thank you.